This is an Onami podcast. Hello again. We're back. It's Tuesday, or whenever you're watching or listening to this new episode of Growing Up with Devin today. It is truly one of my favorite people in the world, and I'm generous enough. Ge- gen- I'm. Ge- I swear I can speak. I'm generous enough to share her with you. Um, this is one of my very close friends in this life who I'll, I'll know until I'm an old man. Um, and our conversation goes a lot of wonderful places. She's a fascinating human being um, who does a lot with her life. She's an actress. She's a musician. She's a director. She's a writer. Um, she runs an art studio in L.A. She's traveled all over the world. Um, she's, yeah, she's just amazing. I, I truly love this person. And our friendship has uh, done nothing but enrich my life. I'm very grateful for her. Our conversation covers her solo travel trips through Europe, um, filming a show in Brazil, uh, the <laughs> the beginning of our friendship, which started with me loving her. <laughs> um, um, yeah, what it takes to grow friendships uh, over time and a lot of other incredible things. Um, and she tells us an amazing story of feeling like she was going to get kidnapped in Turkey. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, tune in, get ready for it. Um, enjoy this conversation with everyone gets confused by her name, especially when they see it spelled. It's not Mariah. It's not Myria. It's not my Mara. It's Mayada. 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 You know? Okay. Uh, enjoy this talk with Mayada Walsh. Let's make a podcast. Let's do it. Mayada Walsh. Hello, Devin Werkheiser. Hey. <laughs> Welcome back to Growing Up, everyone, where we're putting the win in growing up. Oh, wow. You like that? Yeah, you you work you work a long time on that one. I, I've really been really been workshopping it mm. in, in my room to myself. Okay, in the mirror, I can. So see this that. is the first time taking it out. How'd it go? It went all right. All right, yeah. <laughs> all right I'll take it. <laughs> um, Mayada, I'm so glad to have you here, and I'm always glad to see you. Um, I'm gonna regale my listeners with a little story. Um, I met Mayada on a movie, a terrible movie. Just, just a terrible movie, but a movie nonetheless. And and that's a fun part of being an actor is it's not always about the the end result. Sometimes it's about the experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mayada has been one of my close friends since then. I was seventeen, I think, on the movie, and you were twenty. Yes. And I met this magical creature. Were you on Corey in the house at the time? It was after that. Yeah, so you had already... Yeah, I'd, I'd finished Corey. You had already done Corey in the house. Um, we're on this movie. I meet I meet Mayada, and I'm just, like, so in love. <laughs> I'm just, like, <laughs> this is the most beautiful, interesting person I've ever met in the world. You were, like, teaching me about, like, meditation, and, and you're just a, a kind and open and, like, just an incredible person. But my little 17-year-old self, that energy was just... I was just... I was just blind with love, and <laughs> and we hung out on this movie and became friends, and 
I tried to kiss her and she swerved. <laughs> and she swerved one night. I finally got the courage. I was like, oh, this person is so nice to me. I must kiss her. And I went in and she swerved out the way. I love that your 17-year-old brain thought, yes, I should kiss this 20-year-old. This is a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, when I was 14, I dated multiple 17-year-olds. Oh, oh, <laughs> Three well. years was a normal gap for me. <laughs> um, but yes, I thought, yes. And you thought, that's a little baby boy. That's a little child. That is a child. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And also, don't have the desire at this point in time because you are human, a baby. Because this is a little baby boy. <laughs> yeah, so that's where our friendship started was uh, her swerving me. On a, on a kiss attempt. Yes. And me just quietly taking my shame back to my hotel room and never speaking about it again. But a beautiful <laughs> friendship developed from that point forward. It's true. It's true. And it's not like it's not like after that, like we still went to like a concert. It's like we stayed friends after that. A I, concert? I w- yeah. It was it was a concert. Of, oh, that concert. I thought you were talking about the... <laughs> The other thing that I we went was to. not referring to that. <laughs> I, that that actually comes in and out of my memory. Okay. I forget that that occurs sometimes. You just yeah. reminded me. Sigaros was incredible. It was like God cried at the end on the final song. It just started raining. It was it was beautiful. Yes. The other one was a, a bit strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well. Yeah. I mean, I think we have to now. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so we we're shooting this movie in Marin County. Whose idea was it to go was to this it, thing? Was it Preston's and then he didn't come? Oh, it totally was, wasn't it? Yeah. He told us about it. What was it though? Like a, Earth was, Dance is Earth what it was called. Dance. <laughs> so we thought it was going to be like a festival with like music and food and, you know, like a, in, in this beautiful mountainside. Yeah. It, it, it had elements of that. <laughs> it just happened to be hosted by... Um, a nudist colony in the woods of Santa Cruz. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we tried to go to this festival that was being held in multiple locations and there was like a main hub that was like too far away. So we were like, oh, we'll go to this closer one. Turns out it was a nudist colony in the forest. Yeah. And I just remember this guy was showing us around his place, just, you know, hanging out. Yeah. Fully hanging out. Yeah. And we're just looking at each other like this is uh this is this is interesting. Yeah. Honestly, our friendships now that I think about it, our friendship yeah. started on the right foot. Yeah. Which is just weird. Yep. Fun pranks on set. Oh my god, the best pranks. We had so much fun. Awkwardness of trying to kiss you. Yeah. Uh moving past that going to a nudist colony, yes. going to see cigarettes. <laughs> If you really want to build a lifelong friendship, <laughs> these are the elements that make that a reality. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But all that being said, uh, and despite that movie turning out just just not worth watching, um, you're one of my favorite people in the world. And I'm so grateful that movie occurred and all those experiences happened. And like our friendship has only like grown and deepened as we've grown up. Uh, and it's one of my favorite things in my life. Me as well. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for you. We just have that consistent bond that I know that we can count on each other for anything. And that when we are really, really old and wrinkly and senile, we will still be best friends. Even if we forget who the other person yeah. is, 
I think like we'll be like, oh, I love this human. Yeah. I don't know why. What's your name? What's your name? You're lady? cool and strange. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell me about before I met you. Um, where did you grow up and what kind of kid were you? Ooh, um, I was born in Seattle, uh, moved to Brazil, to Sao Paulo when I was uh, one or two, stayed there for a couple years, then back to Seattle until I was 10, where I moved, then I moved to LA. Um, I was a very curious kid. I loved exploring and uh, tree houses and climbing trees and getting muddy. I was also very sensitive. Uh, I just I could pick up on everyone's emotions. Didn't couldn't differentiate between someone else's emotions and my emotions. So like life was very confusing. Mm. Um, uh, and I was very creative. Like I loved the arts. Drawing, writing, singing, um, sciences, anything where I could just fully immerse myself in a world of make-believe. And what kind of teenager were you? Because sometimes being that sensitive and that creative, uh, high school like ain't it. It's yeah. Not it. It's not the time for all that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I would say middle school was the hardest time. Okay. Um, I was just so tiny and skinny, and I was made fun of all the time. I would go home crying pretty much every day. Oh, there God. Was, there was a song that they made up about me. What was the song? It was really short. It was just like, snap goes my twig. And so they'd call me my twig because I was a twig. And, wow. And uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was pretty brutal. Dang. And then uh, I would say but high school, things started improving. I think when I was 16, um, I made one of my best fr- – like I, I met one of my best friends um, and she was just so funny and weird and we could be funny and weird together. And then I was like, I can just be myself and it became so much more fun. We would like go to thrift stores and garage sales and like dress up in weird outfits and then wear them to school. Or, <laughs> you know, if it was a rainy day, we'd wear uh, uh, rain boots and just go stomp, like stomping through puddles. And um, yeah, I think allowing myself to be me made the experience slightly better. And it helped to have a friend yes. who saw you and was in that with yes. you. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, by the time I met you, you were 20. I mean, you've grown a lot since. I mean, it's a long time now that we've known each other. But even then, like, you were, like, you were on a path of, like, self-realization. Yeah. And the way you interacted with people was very kind, very open, but very, like, uh, connected, very I don't know. You had a confidence about you then at 20. So, oh, I, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Good so, to know. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it was all make-believe, but I don't feel like it was. I feel like you had uh, – obviously a lot had shifted from your middle school <laughs> crying days yes, to you showing uh, up on set at yes, 20. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how was your experience uh, being on a kid's show? Like you were on Corey in the House a little after Ned's, but it's a similar era yeah, of so- Nick and Disney. I was 18 when I booked that show. So at that point, I wanted to be Natalie Portman. So like I remember being 14, watching Disney and being like, I could do that. Like I want to do that. Yeah. And then four years later, I was like on the show as a series regular. But at that point, I wanted to be Natalie Portman. And I was like, I don't want to be on a Disney show right now. I want to be a serious actress. So I remember the day that it came out, I cried. Wow. Because it was not what I'd wanted to be, what I wanted to do in that that moment. Yep. 
Um, and then I remember by the second season, like everything really just felt like family and I was having fun. I was yeah. letting loose more. Yeah. Um, and it was a wonderful lesson in being appreciative of what you have when you have it because our show ended up getting cut short that second season. Right. And, you know, the show would have gone for like probably four or five right. seasons. Right. Easy. Um, yeah. So, so it was like, ah, always appreciate you have while you have it. Yes. And that makes sense though. Like I... I happened to end up on Nick when I was a kid, so it really yeah. like worked. I could have if I was eighteen, I wouldn't necessarily want to be on mm -hmm. Nick or Disney. But it's funny, I totally get that. Like when Ned's ended, we were all down. We were down if it was going to get picked up to go to high school. Yeah, we would have been happy yeah. to do that. But when we found out it wasn't, we were all kind of like, "How old were you when it ended?" ended? Fifteen. Oh, that, see, that's yeah. great. But we were all like, oh, cool, we're going to go do other things. In hindsight, it's like, man, I wish that thing <laughs> ran for seven more years. And I heard Jennifer Stone, I heard our friend Jen talk about that too on Wizards of like, when it ended, there was a chance for a spinoff, which mm -hmm. she would have been happy to do, but it not going, she had the same thing of like, oh, we're ready to go do other things. But then you look in hindsight, you're like... No, that would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think you're, you just think you're so grown up at that age. Exactly. You know, when you're like, I'm like, I'm, I'm too old for this kind exactly. of thing. And you're like, no, you have your whole life ahead of you. Like, enjoy it. Little did we know how much time you have. Uh, so much how, time. How often did I feel like I was grown when I wasn't? Mm, mm -hmm. It wasn't until 30 that I looked back at all the times I felt grown and independent that I was like, oh, you were a little baby boy. <laughs> you knew nothing about the world. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think I'm only now starting to grasp some things. Yeah, I feel like I can at least see the puzzle pieces fitting together. Yeah. I was always in a rush when I was younger. I just wanted things to happen now. <laughs> and I couldn't understand why the amount of effort I was putting in was not seeing the same or even a fraction of the same uh, return or yeah. reward. Yeah. And that was extremely frustrating. Yeah. And now looking back, I'm like, well, no, I, I had to, I had to go through all of that um, to really do what I do now, and have like built this like very solid foundation. Where, um, I mean, I feel like I can get through anything and creatively really get through anything. Yeah, you do about a million and a half things too. Yeah, you directed your first feature mm -hmm. during the pandemic, mm -hmm. but you've written many scripts. Mm -hmm. You've directed shorts. Mm -hmm. You act in everything. You make music. Mm -hmm. You own an art space in Los <laughs> Angeles where you hold events, and you're constantly painting and creating that place. <laughs> what else did I miss? <laughs> oh, I think I think that's pretty good. Okay, <laughs> poetry, poetry, uh, fashion. I just started making fashion. Oh my. God, Mayata, you uh, you do a lot. I do. Uh huh. I work seven days a week. I don't stop, but I love it. <laughs> I'm absolutely a workaholic, but I love what I do. And everyone is constantly like, "Yeah, but what's your one thing? What's the like main focus?" And I'm yeah. like, "Oh, you don't understand. That's not how this works." Yeah. To me, it's all storytelling. Yeah. Through different mediums, 
Um, and I get really burnt out on things if I'm only doing that one thing. So in a single day, I might spend a dedicated four hours writing, but then I have to move to something else, right. whether it's another script or whether it's music or whether it's uh, prepping for a role. Like, And then once I'm burnt out on that thing, I move to this thing, then I get re-inspired and reinvigorated. And then it actually informs something from the previous thing. And it's just like this beautiful, connected <laughs> cycle of creative madness. <laughs> That's it. You just described it. <laughs> That's what it looks like from the outside. Mayata's creative madness. She's like, I did this and this and this and this and this this week. I'm like, what, dude? When do you sleep? What's happening? Why do you have 10 projects going at once? But I sort of get it at this point now yeah. with the podcast and my music and the other things I do. Like, yeah. It's, you are doing that. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I get it. exactly. It's fun. It I is. love it. it I love is. my life. <laughs> <laughs> like I would much rather be exhausted from doing things I love than than feeling bored and not knowing what to do with my time. Yeah. Um, so you, you have only led to good things in my life, which is a really, like it's a really beautiful thing. Like y you have an ability ability to share things you're inspired by or just live in such a way where like when you tell me to do something and I do it, it usually enriches my life. It's a beautiful thing. It's something I can trust about you when you call me and you're like, yo, get this thing or go on this or apply for this. I'm like, all right, my auto. Like, like, I don't know what this right, is, but okay. Like, damn. <laughs> um, but one of the things that you did many, many years ago that inspired my life was uh, you started going to Europe in the summer. By yourself, you'd book a one-way ticket there and kind of figure out what you were going to do. You'd kind of go on this free-flowing self-trip to Europe. And as anyone doing that is inspiring, but I know for a lot of people out there, a lot of women out there, that's like crazy to them because it actually feels dangerous. Like mm -hmm. you traveled solo as a female. Like um, I remember, I mean, you did this for like multiple summers and I was so inspired by it. Uh, that it became a dream of mine, something I wanted to do, and just I, I didn't all of my 20s, like it, even though you did this 10 years ago, but I finally did that last summer, and it was like straight up directly inspired by your trips, mm -hmm. um, and I had such an incredible time. Um, will you tell me about your experiences with that? Yeah, and then I would love to hear like what what your favorite part of of your trip was cool. or like the experience of it. Cool, cool, cool. Um so I think I was 24 at the time. Um I'd always wanted to go to Europe by myself and have that experience. I, I think I had gotten sometimes you get so stuck in your mind of the way that you think you're supposed to do things and I was really kind of feeling like I was in a rut and needed to like break free from some old patterns. Um, so I called it my summer of yes. So I was going to say yes to everything within reason. <laughs> that part's important. Uh -huh. Um, so I only knew where I was staying that first night in Madrid and I didn't know anything beyond that. At that point, I think I was planning on going for six weeks. Um, and so I remember landing in Madrid and the, my first experience with this, this word yes, uh, I, I, I was in the elevator waiting to get down to the shuttles that would take me to a hotel. And um, there was this guy with long blonde hair and sunglasses and this guitar case next to him. He, and he just looked like interesting. 
And so in my head, I was like, I should say something to him. He was probably in his like 60s or something. Um, and and then immediately my mind was like, no, you can't just say hi to this stranger. And then I was like, wait, no, this is the whole point is to be able to break through these limitations and say yes to something that for whatever reason I intuitively want to do. Right. So then I was like, all right, I'm going to strike up a conversation with him. Ended up getting into a lovely conversation. He asked me what I was doing on this trip. Uh, I told him I didn't know where I was going or what my plans were. And he was like, well, I have a son in Amsterdam. Uh, he plays basketball. He's really sweet. Like, you should go meet up with him later in the trip. He gave me his email. And I was like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna reach out to this person. That's weird. <laughs> but ended up meeting up with a different friend on that trip. And then he was like, didn't that guy give you this guy's information on Amsterdam? Like, let's go there. And I was like, uh, but then I was like, I have to say yes. And that guy ended up being amazing. We stayed on his couch. He showed us all over Amsterdam, went to the Van Gogh Museum, some amazing bike rides. He took us to like amazing clubs. Like when we never would have had that experience had I not just said yes. And my whole trip was like that. Mm. I was meeting incredible people. I was having magical experiences. And as a woman, because um, I want to touch on that part yeah. as well, uh, you know, you just, you're aware of your surroundings, right? Like if I was at a club by myself and I was making friends with people and at, and at first they were really awesome, but then let's say they started drinking too much and I could just feel the energy shifting and becoming a little more aggressive, I would just take that as my cue to leave. Yeah. And then I would leave. Yep. And I would, I would always just check in with myself. How am I feeling here? Do I feel safe? Do I feel comfortable? And I mean, I was walking around streets at like three in the morning. Yeah, I know how you live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily recommend being as much of a risk taker as me. Um, uh, after, well, I want to ask you a question, then I'll share my, my one moment during that trip where I was uh, uh, kind of scared I was mm. getting kidnapped. <laughs> but uh, beyond that, it was great. <laughs> uh, but wait, I wanted to ask you, so when you finally did take that trip. Uh, mm -hmm. What did it, what, like, what opened up for you? Well, man, um, your trip was at 24 and was for specific reasons, right? Mm -hmm. When you want to go on a trip like that and take like a month or more away from your life, like there's reasons for that inspiration or that call to do that. Yours was at 24. Mine at 31, it was different. Like it was post the pandemic, so during the pandemic, my life had gotten very small. Everything, everything got really contained, you know, mm -hmm. to my apartment and my routines. And like, you know, the life wasn't as big as it was before. There wasn't yeah. as many options. Um, so that and just some personal, like really tough six years of change in life, all shit you saw. Um, what opened up for me on that trip was like, actually bringing me back to some of what I felt earlier in my 20s, which was like, oh, like, first of all, I'm okay. I'm capable of moving through the world by myself, like, and in pretty much any situation, mm -hmm. like, I like who I am. Mm -hmm. And I like interacting with the world, especially out of my normal routines. Um, and it was just that reminder that like, the world is big and beautiful and like connected and fun. You know, like going to Berlin and meeting uh, like these dope girls from Birmingham in a club in Berlin and then seeing them in Prague a week later in a park, like 
literally by accident. Wait, by accident? I, I had one of their Instagrams and we were talking about maybe meeting. We knew we were both going to be in Prague at but the same time. Know, like... And we were talking about maybe meeting up at some point on that trip. And then we're just in the park and it's like, there they wow. are. And they had a whole crew of their friends who oh. were so dope. And I was with mine. So we all hung out like so that, that, that shit. Like, and I had not been feeling that. Um, you know, life had life had gotten, I don't know, man. Life had gotten strange and hard. And it was just that reminder of like the magic of travel, the world, fun, opening up, being young enough to like walk around a city all day, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was it was huge. It really shifted a lot for me. And I think it came at the perfect time, even though I didn't make it to Europe to Europe my whole twenties. That yeah. trip was like essential. Yep. I think everything kind of lines up in that way of like when you're ready for something, you take that step to do that. Yeah. Um, I can say, oh, like do this stuff while you're young. But if you're not ready to do it, then, yep. you know, I'm, I would never force anything upon anybody. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone's life is kind of on a different trajectory and different moments happen at different times. And you have to respect what that is for you. Yep. But I definitely like highly recommend, even if you can't, if you don't have the the means to make it out of the country, I think even just exploring your city, exploring a city nearby, I think there's something about getting out of your comfort zone and getting out of your bubble to see what else is out there. It just expands your mind and what you believe is possible for you and your life. And um, also just understanding other people's life experiences, like you just become more open-minded to the human experience. Definitely. Definitely that. That's for sure something I love about Europe is just like there's so – our culture is like, you know, from California to New Mexico, uh, you know, yeah, there's cultural differences there, but – we're all still American, like that same distance in Europe. Yeah. Like you're in a whole other history, culture, yeah. language, food. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you did that a couple summers in a row, right? Yeah, I had such an amazing time that first time. I was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep doing this. Like, let's just keep the magic going." Um, okay, I'll share my kidnappings, my, oh, my, yes. my, my, my story that I thought that something bad was gonna yes. go down. Yes. Um, so uh, I remember it was my first, I was in Spain. I had just visited Salvador Dali's house mm. in this tiny little fisherman's town called uh, Caraquez. Uh, I was sitting by the water enjoying like a glass of wine and jamón and bread. And I, I was just having the best time ever. I was like, I never want to leave Spain. And then uh, a girlfriend who I met for one hour during one dinner, like three weeks prior, was like, hey, are you still in Europe? And I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, um, I'm going to Turkey. Do you want to meet us in four days? And I was like, no, in my head. But then I was like, fuck, I have to start. I have, Summer to, say, of I have yes. to say yes. Yeah, yeah. I have to say yes. <laughs> and I was like, but I don't want to leave. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. I will meet you there in four days. I didn't really get enough information from her because I figured that we'd be getting to the airport at the same time. Um, so I fly into Marmaris, which is like uh, near the water. It looks like it's near the water because I was flying over and I was like, oh, great. So we're going to go on a sailing trip for a week. And, you know, it'll take me 10 minutes to get there from the airport if she's not there. Get there. She's like, don't worry about us. Like, go find the driver. He'll have your name on a little plaque. And then, you know, just just we'll, we'll meet you there in a few hours. I was like, fantastic. I get down there. 
to the parking lot and it's like 90 degrees and there are like 40 men down there who are either taxi drivers or waiting to pe- pick people up. And, you know, one thing I had learned was to always look like you know what you're doing and where you're going. Don't yeah. ever be, like, looking at your phone, like, oh, yeah. like, where am I? Like, so, you know, I pretended like I knew what I was doing, but I didn't see my name on any uh, on any sign. And the guys were, like, you know, like, really starting to look at me. And I was like, ooh, uh, what do I do here? So then I start looking for maybe the name of the sailing company. I find one plaque with a with the name spelled wrong, and I was like, "Was it Mariah?" <laughs> no, it wasn't even my name of oh, the okay. sailing company. Okay, 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 okay. So I was like, "Okay." So I go up to this guy, and I was like, "Let's say it was just called like Blue Sailing," and I was like, "Blue Sailing," and he was like, "Ah, but like like started speaking in a different language, right? Yep. As they do, and then." Uh, <laughs> And then so he started, like, so two guys just started walking with me, like, like through the sea of guys towards the parking lot. And I was like, whoa, like, uh, I, like, no, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. Like, I don't know what's happening. We make it to an unmarked car, just a regular old silver car. Uh, and they're like, you know, trying to get me to get in the car. And I'm like, uh, hold on one second. I-, I need to talk to your boss or something. I don't understand what you're saying, unfortunately. So they call their boss. I get on the phone with with him. He's like, blue sailing. And then like continues talking and talking, talking. Still don't understand what he's saying. So I look at this guy and then I look at this guy and I've got like 10 seconds to make a decision and decide, do I trust these guys? Whew. Uh, and I decided yes. <laughs> a risk. You a took a risk. risk. I took a risk. I get in the car, okay? It's me in the middle seat, one guy here, one guy here, and two guys in the front. So it is four adult men who I don't speak their language and me driving in a car. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. So I'm like, we'll get to the we'll get to the water in like 10, 20 minutes max. 20 minutes goes by, 30 minutes goes by, 50 minutes goes by, and I'm like, and we're getting further and further away from the coast. Like, we're in the mountains. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is really bad. So, like, I I turn on my roaming data, and I'm like, hey, I'm in a car with four guys. Like, I don't know what's happening right now. She's like, "Uh, like, I'm sure it's okay. Just keep your location on or whatever. So we pull off in the middle of the mountains to this derelict shack. It's a shack, a rundown shack on a gravel road. And I'm like, this is it. This is it. This is taken. This is what everyone was warning me about. So then I'm like game planning in my mind. I was like, all right, we're going to stop. I'm going to I'm gonna elbow this guy in the nose and this guy in the balls. And I'm going to just <laughs> run into the mountains. <laughs> so all like three of the four guys get out. They all disappear into the shack for 20 minutes. And I'm just like, what is happening? Are they like getting weapons? Like, are they calling people? Like, I was so, so nervous. Was your heart like beating out your chest? Oh, absolutely. Oh Meanwhile, gosh. trying to keep a poker face and right. like trying to be friendly with the driver. And then uh, one of the guy comes back. He takes me out from the back seat and then puts me in the front seat and then like tells us to leave. And I was like, what is going on? And then we proceed driving for another hour to an hour and a half. And and then at this point, I'm just starting to like joke with the driver. And then we finally make it to the bay. And I still have no idea why there were four men in that car with me. But that was a massive risk. And I will definitely say, girls, <laughs> do not get in a car with four men ever that you don't know. 
<laughs> who don't speak English. Who don't speak English or your language. Yeah. Um, so, so that was a, I, like, I made it through. It was fine. But had my mom, you know, known that I had done oh, that, no. she, she would have really not no. been pleased. But you ended up. It, it was all good, and you went on an incredible like sailing trip, right? Yeah, and then like I, you went like, on a boat for yeah. And then I was sailing, yeah, and, and it was it was amazing because you know when you go to Greece, like I'm taking Greece as an example, like and you go to see the ruins in Athens, it's just crowded and like yeah. by so many tourists. Yeah. But then we would where we were sailing, we'd get off on these islands with these ruins, and we'd be the only people on the islands, and I just felt like I was in Indiana Jones or something, like climbing on them, wow. sitting in them, just feeling the history. Wow. Um. In crystal clear blue water, incredible food. Um, that's not, Turkey's not a place I would go to alone as a woman. Uh, I, I would not feel safe there. I, there were moments I didn't even feel safe in a group. Mm. Um, but, uh, but it was beautiful. I would definitely go back. Istanbul's incredible. I've heard. But, uh, but, and I was super grateful in the end. So I, I but right. it, it had, I, had it not been my summer of yes, I never would have had that experience. Right. Not of the almost kidnapping, right. but of the, <laughs> the sailing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. Wow. I'm glad that story ended the way it did. Otherwise, mm -hmm. um, well, I wouldn't know you. <laughs> my auto went on her summer of yes and never came back. <laughs> never came back. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's dark. That's a dark timeline. <laughs> um, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I, even for dudes, you got to watch out some places, but it's different. Yeah. It's different. Like, Did I, you ever feel unsafe at any time? Nah. Nah. It's like you just got to be smart when you're out anywhere yeah. unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. Even Mexico, man. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just don't be a fucking idiot. Yeah. There's just certain places. Yeah. I, I actually like being in um, new spaces because I'm forced to be more aware. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't default to muscle memory or just like yeah. being blind and dumb to things. So I actually like it because I, I do feel a heightened sense of aliveness. Not because I'm looking out for danger, just because I'm looking out. Yeah. Because I don't know. I don't know these more spaces. Present. I'm present. I'm mm -hmm. aware. And I, I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't I didn't feel uh I didn't feel any danger out there in the world. Mm -hmm. It's out there, but we oh, just yeah. we were just vibing in, yeah. in cities in Europe, you know, in the summer where everyone's just like, Woo, you know? It's lovely. Oh, it's lovely. That's great. <laughs> I'm so excited you're gonna have you're gonna get to go out there again soon. Yep. Yeah, I'm doing what you did then now. Mm-hmm. Um, was your summer of yes inspired by Yes Day at Burning Man? What, do you know? Do you remember? By was my it? Yes Day at Burning Man? My first Burning Man, I went on a Yes Day. And it's possible, I think it was before that it Europe before? trip for you. Yeah, so it's possible that uh, story got into that. your head. Interesting. Yeah. Well, then I should be thanking you, Devin. I just want to credit. <laughs> <laughs> Because I thought it was the other way around. I thought I like told people about that afterwards. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, one of my my first Burning Man. One of the days I, I went out with a friend of mine, and she was like, "Today's going to be a yes day." And again, within uh, reason. Within reason. If you absolutely feel the need to say no to something, do exactly. But it was just like like you did. I mean, yeah. you did it on such a grander scale. But it, it was an exploration of how often am I saying no default. Yes. How often am I defaulting to a like, no, that's new. Yeah. So I'm not even actually considering it. Exactly. And so opening it up to a full day of yes, it was awesome. Yeah. It, it did teach me a yeah. lot of that. Like, oh man, some of the time I'm saying no and I'm actually just closing off to an experience. Mm -hmm. 
And I actually still do that to this day. Like I'll do a, I'll do a yes day. Yeah. If I'm traveling and I don't want to do that for the whole trip, I'll yeah. even I've even done just like yes a yes hour. Yeah. Or and and I'll do it yeah. with friends too. Of like, all right, this is gonna be yes night. Yeah. And it just it's just like a little way to cr- create a little more magic in your life and become a little more open to things. For sure, because yeah, we all stay comfortable. I definitely do, and like, especially like, yeah, I seem like a. I seem like a very personable person. I am. I'm very extroverted. But even I get like social anxiety sometimes. I know mm-hmm. you do too. Absolutely. It's like there are times where I'm just saying no just because like I'm a little anxious. Yeah. But I might be missing out on like a great experience. Mm-hmm. Like um, a friend of mine, we, we were at this cafe outside this national park, Sequoia National Park. And mm-hmm. we met this, uh, the, the waitress was like, you know, this middle-aged great woman who was like treating us all kind and and she was like, oh, my son, he works, he works at a pizza shop in the park and uh, like in the national park and like, go, I'm going to tell him you're coming and he's going to take you on like the dopest hike. Mm -hmm. And that was one of those situations where like, it would be so easy to say no, like, Mm -hmm. no, I don't know you. I don't know that kid. Like Mm -hmm. we can take ourselves on a hike, but we were, we were vibing, you know, it was all good. So we were like, sure. All right. And we went and met up with this kid and he did. He took us on the dopest hike. <laughs> like, so awesome. And we had a great day. He took us to like this natural water slide. What? Yeah. Which, how would you have known about that if you didn't live there and you didn't know the locals? Exactly. So yes, that was one of those like nice saying yes experiences. Yeah. I do think there is value in saying no as well. I think that's something I've had to learn getting older because I think I used to say yes to so many experiences and I would just feel exhausted, socially exhausted, emotionally exhausted. Um, And I think now I'm being much more protective of my time and my energy and my uh, mental health Mm -hmm. so that like I actually will say no more often now, which is what I I, in this phase of my life have been needing. Mm -hmm. And it's so, so there is, there is a value to, to either side. It just depends where you're at in life at that moment. For sure. I do think both muscle, you need to have familiarity with both of those powers of saying yes and being open and Mm -hmm. flowing and no and boundaries. Both are so important. Yeah. Yeah. How are you with boundaries, my <laughs> You know, I'd like to think I'm getting better, but uh, boundaries, what are those? I don't think I had those when I was younger. I was just like, I love everybody. I'll let anybody in. Take from me. Take, 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 take. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've had to learn the hard way so many times. <laughs> I know, I've watched it. The importance <laughs> of discernment and boundaries yeah. and making sure that any ed- energetic exchange is reciprocal um, and that you're not just giving, 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 giving. Um, even though I love to give, it's also important to be able to receive and and recognize when someone um, is taking just for the sake of taking because they want they want your energy because yeah. it's nice or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like you had a bit of that in you as well. For sure did. Uh-huh. I talked, I've talked a lot about it on this pod, yep. for sure. For sure. It took me uh, uh, having my heart exploded to learn mm-hmm. boundaries, and I'm so grateful. Oh, so I'm so grateful. grateful. It's so nice to have boundaries, mm-hmm. to be a boundaried individual. Oh, and to, like, really – it took a long time to really – and, I man, I can't emphasize what an important part of growing up it is – to learn to recognize when a relationship isn't reciprocal and however you gotta then limit that from your life, I don't care how you do it, do it. 
Like yep. if it's not reciprocal, if yep. you're the one giving, if you're the one who brings all the energy to the relationship, eh, I don't need it. Yep. And it's a tough lesson because it's hard when you get so emotionally involved with someone, whether it's a friend or a business associate or a romantic partner. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because um, you just get so used to this, like, this emotional exchange that you have. Yeah. So it can be hard to pull away from it, but you have to at, you have to keep checking in with yourself. Like, I like to do check-ins. How does this make me feel before? How does it make me feel during? How does it make me feel after? Mm. And if it's making me feel drained and exhausted, tired, headache, whatever it might be, and it's doing that on a consistent basis. My body's trying to tell me something. This is not good for me. Yeah. But if I leave a situation feeling energized or inspired or happy, then good. That There's something that's, that's positive about that. And yeah. that's not to say you have to feel good all the time with your friends or whoever right. you're with. Like, but the 80-20 rule, I think, is a pretty good Definitely. You know, Definitely. Uh, barometer there. Yeah, you're trying to look at a pattern. Yes. Um. And man, it's been cool, like, growing up together and, like, you know, it's not like we hang out and have been super close since I met you. It's like we've come in and out of each other's lives enough times that, like, over the last few years, it's like I've seen this per person through enough phases of my life, like, I know, like, I know what the energy is now. Mm -hmm over so much time and so many different circumstances, I'm mm -hmm. like, yep, we're good. We're good for life. For life. Like, I'll love you forever. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. yeah, you oh, and a bunch God. of our friends. And when you find that, those, those <sighs> lifelong connections, there's, oh, there's nothing sweeter. There's nothing better. And you just know that you can be 100% yourself in, in whatever way that manifests, whether you're happy, whether you're depressed, whether things are going great, whether you're tired. It just doesn't matter. Just being in presence with each other is incredible. Yeah. Um, and you know each other so well that like, Sometimes you, sometimes you just don't even need to talk. Yeah. Or, I mean, the other, there was like a day recently where yeah. you pulled all, like a bunch of our friends that, like we were all in these like depressed moods, like totally hermiting in our oh, homes. Oh, it was rough. Oh, man. And, and, and you were like, hey, like I'm going to be going out of town soon. Like, c like come over. And, and like, I don't think I've ever had such a hard time saying yes and like getting myself to go over to your place. But then the moment I was there, I was like, wow, we really all needed this because we were just in one of those introverted phases. Yeah, that was that was fascinating. So this was like a month ago. I was coming off a few months of really just starting to spiral on some shit personally and really I feeling very isolated and very hurt about certain wounds in my life and and just struggling. Um, what was amazing was getting together with you and Jen and for very different circumstances, but you guys were feeling the same pattern that I was. It was mm -hmm. for literally different reasons, yep. different circumstances, right? Uh, but the the outcome was very similar. We were all, we all arrived to a similar feeling in ourselves mm -hmm. and then a similar night hanging out together. And that was very healing to just be like, oh, their reasons are different, but I do feel less alone. Yeah. Like, oh, my friends are feeling this level of like isolation and yeah. hurt. Like, 
All right. And interesting that we were all feeling it at the same time. I know. And like literally we just were – we were so ridiculous and so silly for hours straight. Like we were talking nonsense, <laughs> like complete and utter nonsense for hours on end. Yeah. Laughing like, like I don't even know, like nine-year-old children <laughs> yeah. about nonsense. Yeah. And I hadn't laughed like that in so long. I had been going into such like deep processing of everything, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. really intense emotional shit. And then to just be silly yeah. with my best friends, I was yeah. like, oh, we can like life can be light as well. I don't yeah. always have to just like dive into the deepest part of humanity. No, it's yeah. got to be silly too. Yeah. Yeah. The inner child still is alive and well. Oh, when yeah. you're with when you're with your real friends. For sure. Our inner child are just fine. Our inner children I'm are not rabid. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes I gotta be like Sometimes like chill, bro, chill, just, chill, just, chill. Just chill. relax. Just go 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 over there, go play in a corner, cause uh this is adult time. <laughs> For real. For real. We're together. It's yeah, like yeah. I feel bad for the other adults in the room. They yeah. they don't uh, they're, they're just like, what is happening? You better here? catch up and join the party because the kids are playing. <laughs> kids table's way more fun than the adult table anyway. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll stay that way forever. Yeah, I, I imagine so. It's also why we all bond so much. I mean, you introduced me to other people who I will know for I mean Tyler, Kelly, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. These are people you grew up with who are now best friends of mine, yes. you know? Yeah. Good people know good people, and then they meet, and then they're like, oh, you're awesome. You're awesome. Yeah. that's always be friends. That's always a good barometer. If you have, like, a new friend, see who their friends are mm-hmm. and judge them. <laughs> judge them for it. <laughs> judge them accordingly. But no, I I really like when I meet my friends' friends and I go, oh, they're great too. Yeah. Oh, this is a good sign. Yes. This is a good thing. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I've 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 started learning like uh, it's important. It, I look for people who have friends. You know, I think that's important. I think mm. uh, um, when people. And it's not to say, oh, everyone has to have a million friends, but I think like it's a good sign when people have at least a couple of good friends in their lives mm. who they've known for a bit of time. Because um, I have met some people who kind of flip from person to person, don't really have a uh, a friend group, and um, I find that there can be some complications. For sure. With that. For sure. Yeah, and like if you start to date someone who doesn't have friends. It's a red flag. Yeah. It's a red flag. It's a red or, flag or, that or people look lost, over often. Or if they've lost a lot of friends over time and they're constantly blaming that other person. Uh-huh. But then after time you realize it's probably not just <laughs> the other people. It's probably a combination of things. I also find taking accountability for your end of things is very important. So in yeah. general, when people only blame other people and never are like, well, this is like my side of things as well that I take responsibility for. Like, I just think that's in, that's important. Yeah. I think uh, just blaming others takes away that sense of self, that responsibility that we all have as human beings. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It can't ever be everyone else's fault. Mm-mm. That's not how life works. Not all the time. It you can't. Know? Yeah, it can't always be everybody else's fault. Yeah. Um, so tell me about. You are Brazilian. Yes. You lived in Brazil as a, a baby child. Mm-hmm. You have family in Brazil. Mm-hmm. 
And last year, you got the chance to go film a Brazilian TV show. Yes. I was down there for 10 months living in Rio. Um, it was it was such a full experience. When I say full, I mean it was like the highs of the highs, the lows of the lows, <laughs> and everything in between. Um, I'm so grateful I went down there. I met some of the most incredible people who will be lifelong friends. Um I love Brazil. Like the culture, the food, the music, everyone is just so warm and will just kind of like wrap you up in in this huge hug. And that I mean that like literally and metaphorically. Yeah. Like they just invite you into their family. Yeah. Um and and that's awesome. And also like I live in a pretty industrial part of LA, so living by the beach, a tropical beach, yeah. and going to the beach like a couple times a week, I it was so good for my soul. Yeah. I'm like a very like go, go, go person. Yeah. And so it really slowed me down um, mm -hmm. to like a more normal level yeah. <laughs> that like I needed. Yeah. Um, that I carried on with me coming back. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was really intense like learning because it, it was a, a, a show set in biblical time. So not only is it Portuguese, but it's um, it's it's period piece Portuguese right. to a certain extent. Right. So not, not modern. Yeah, not the slang. way that I would ever yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. Uh so it took me more time with the with the script and and there was like one scene I had that was a three page monologue in Portuguese. And I I had been in LA and flew straight back from LA um into Rio, didn't sleep drove straight to set to do this three page monologue and you only get like one, two takes for everything there. <sighs> And I was like, I have no idea how this is going to go. But it fortunately went really well. Um, and uh, I remember when I first went down there thinking I was 100% fluent in Portuguese. Yeah. And quickly realized that because of all the slang and all the different things that had changed since I'd been really spending a lot of time there that I was not. Mm. So I, I, I couldn't tell stories the way that I like to tell stories. Yeah. And I couldn't tell jokes like I couldn't and every time I wanted to chime in with something I'd have to think about it and then they were already you're like, missing the time and in. Then, yeah yeah it was brutal so the first couple months I was really quiet and everyone was like wow like she's sweet but she's so quiet and I was like no it's because I can't communicate the way that I want to <laughs> and I'm a bit of a perfectionist I know this is shocking uh so finally I had to let go of my ego and I had to be like I just I gotta fuck up I gotta be yeah. okay fucking up yeah and then and and making mistakes. Yeah. And I just and just keep going. At least I'll be communicating. Right. So I say just, it wrong, but say, say it. it wrong, but say it right. Yeah. Exactly. So I just kept being wrong. And then eventually I was right. Amazing. And then by the time I left, I was like, OK, I've got a good handle on this now. I loved that. I loved catching up with you while you were there and you telling me that you're like. I thought I was fluent in Portuguese, but it's different when you're like around people every day and like the nuance of telling stories and yeah, the nuance of humor. Exactly. That's different than like knowing how to say the word, like knowing how to get by. For sure. The nuance of culture and, and you're around humor a bunch of and actors, right? So they're expressive, all talking super fast. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. I was like, I, I, there were certain times, I remember a time where I like came home in my hotel room and I was just crying. Oh. <sighs> and I was like, I was like, this is exactly as hard as I thought it would be. Oh. Um, I'm so I, glad you went. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was life changing in, 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 in good and bad ways. That's but, what, that's yeah. what I figured. I remember when you were like debating it and, <laughs> I'm I'm bummed at some of the bad things that happened to you down there, but I remember when you were debating it and it just was like 
10 months shooting a show in Brazil, like no matter what happens, it's going to be life changing. Like this is going to be a formative experience. And like, don't we fucking want that? Like, isn't that the joy of our dynamic actor creative life? Like is to have these. So answer the call. Lots of life experiences. For sure. You've probably talked about this at length on the show now, but how was it for you going back and shooting the rest of Rust? I actually have not talked about it very much. Um, Not yet. Not since coming back. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's our show. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Finishing Rust was a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful we got to finish it. It's something I never thought we would do. And for me, like just on a personal healing level, finishing it was closure, like allowed me to release things in a way that I wouldn't otherwise have been able to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's something I never thought I'd be able to do Mm -hmm. because I didn't foresee Helena's husband uh, wanting us to finish the movie, Mm -hmm. which is the only reason we finished. so it was a surprise. It was really painful. Uh, it was really painful to go back. It brought up a lot of shit. Um, but getting to finish the film, I'm glad. You know, it healed uh, some things. Yeah. It you, was, you came back different. Yeah. 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 There was like a lot that was being stirred up before uh, you went out. And yeah. I remember having a conversation before you left. I was like, I think I think something's going to start shifting for you while you're out there and that you're yeah. going to feel better when you when yeah. you come back. And I can see it. I can see it in your eyes. Dude. I can see it in the way that you're talking. Dude, I'm I'm lighter than I've felt uh in 2 years or more even. Mm-hmm. The crazy thing that I recognized Uh, that I was able to like look at and I think this goes beyond just my experience on Rust but something I recognized was what happened on Rust was so traumatic I mean it was trauma it was so sudden so traumatic that it opened up this fucking wound in me that that then every wound in my life was opened and that must happen to other people where it's like the rust trauma then left all of my trauma open and raw and really took a lot to start trying to piece it all back together and I never thought we'd finish so I was just trying my best to heal all these things but like everything was hurting from this and then finding out we were going to finish and the prolonged schedule of of going to shoot it like everything was raw everything and anything unresolved in me including the pain that i have around rust that that those wounds i mean that wound will be there for my life like it's part of my life now but it was just open and raw and so was everything else and so going to finish, I actually was able to feel there, there was a part of it that going to finish was opening it up again, but then actually completing the film and mm-hmm. completing it for Helena and like mm-hmm. all of that uh, allowed allowed me to heal up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then other things in my life feel easier to carry now mm-hmm. because it's not just this open festering wound. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because we don't always get closure, right? Facts. Um so what do you think helped you process and besides the actual closer, closure element of it, like what were you doing to deal with the opened wound of your life? 
I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Getting by, surviving. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a lot of feeling. What it requires is feeling it. Mm -hmm. um, feeling it and then allowing, allowing yourself to kind of move through the feeling and like integrate the feeling, release the feeling, whatever the words are. It's like, but, but sometimes that pain is so much, you're actually just surviving for months on end. You're not actually facing the wound. It's too much. It's too yeah. much to feel it. So I don't know, man. The months leading up to rest, rest were really hard. Yeah. Um, and I mean, therapy helps. When I really am stuck, I, I call my therapist and I talk things out with him. Um, uh, trying to limit my uh, habits of distraction and comfort that are maybe innocuous when I'm not going through something. Like if I'm fine, eh, they're, they're, they're hit or miss, like they're fine. Um, but if I'm running from something, mm, they can be actually hindering my healing, you know, uh, trying to be as healthy as I can. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I, we don't always get closure and I don't, I don't know what to do with that. I feel for the people who have experiences like this and then you don't get any form of closure because you don't always get it. Yeah. You don't always get to have that conversation with that person. You don't always get to complete the film. Like you, you don't always get this. And man, I don't know. I don't know what you do with it. I, I did hear a nice little analogy of like, the 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 trauma the grief the pain um doesn't shrink you just grow bigger around it hmm. so i really like that yeah. i think that is what happens as you learn to hold it more in your heart and yeah. actually feel it rather than like hide it or numb yeah. it or run away from it as you just hold that pain that when it first happens feels bigger than you mm -hmm. uh you eventually start to grow around it ah. um and i like that i like that too. i like that that's what i was doing before I knew I was finishing Russ, was yep. just trying to like feel it when it comes up. Yep. And uh, you know. Yeah. So to piggyback on that as well, because like I had, I like, like I said, I, even though I had a great experience, I, I, I've had one of the hardest years of my life um, that I still don't have closure on. Yeah. Uh, and it was really brutal. I remember coming back from Brazil and kind of being in a full-on depression. Like we were kind of in similar states again for different reasons. Yeah. Um, and I think allowing yourself to feel it rather than running away, rather than distracting yourself. And sometimes, some days it's just surviving yeah. and some days it's like, all right, like I'm going to let myself feel this. I'm going to let myself cry. I'm going to let myself yell. I'm going to let myself not know what the fuck I'm supposed to do. Yep. Um, cause I think when we run from those feelings and push them down, we may be pushing them down for that moment or that week or that year, but it comes back. It's like these little earthquakes, you know, that like end up like exploding. Yeah. But I think dealing with it as they come, because grief is weird like that, right? It's not just one big wave and then you get over it and you're fine. No. Nope. It, it, it comes in waves and yep. randomly, like years later, like I know even for you and like your parents' divorce, right? Yeah. Like, like it hit you again recently. Seven years later. Yeah. yeah hit, in, me, like, hit me as if it was happening. Yeah. Like, which is, which is wild. It's crazy. So crazy. Yeah. So that's, so I think it's important to be patient with ourselves and understand that like, it's not just like, oh, you're going to get over your grief and be fine. Like, yeah. no, like. Just it's going to come up in different ways, get triggered in different ways. And I always like to say, like, I've got like a tool belt that I use yeah. um, 
that like has my different things that work for me. Yeah. R whether that might be, you know, writing, uh, meditating, working out, yep. just talking with a friend, yep. therapy, uh, making music, uh, you know, writing a letter to that person I'm upset at, even if I don't send it. Yeah. And, and some days, one of those tool belts that worked today is not going to work tomorrow. Mm. And then that one may not work the next day, but I, but I still have this huge tool belt with like these different yeah. things I can pull out and work to like process, um, the emotions. And, and again, like just being patient with yourself through the process. Cause it's, it's, it's work, you know? And, yeah. and I like what you were saying about like expanding beyond that pain. And it also turns into resilience. That's it. Um, like, because any human alive today has suffered in some form or another, probably multiple times throughout their lives. And yep. the fact that we're still here is a testament to that resilience. And I think that's why as we get older, we just stop caring as much about certain things that really used to feel like life or death. Yeah. Because you're just like, does that matter? Yeah. Or, and not only, and maybe it does matter in that moment, but like, you know, you'll get through it. Whereas when you're in your like teens or early twenties, you don't know if you'll get through it. No. It feels like the end of the fucking world. Oh yeah. You lose a friendship or a You're like, relationship. This is, it this is the end. You don't make the team, whatever yeah, the fuck. Yeah, like, whatever it is. You didn't get the job. Like yeah. it's, it's over. Yeah. But it's not. No. Nope. Life keeps going. Yep. That's what I love about growing up it's like man you go through enough cycles of of this shit hopefully you're learning mm -hmm. and expanding and not mm -hmm. repeating yes but you go through enough cycles of the shit you go like oh yeah cool i know i'll get through this or like i know this drama is irrelevant like mm -hmm. i'm not even going to engage with that shit anymore totally that There's so much well. i've learned to just be like oh if you're oh, in that frequency like I don't even fuck with that anymore. It's so nice to even be there to be like, oh no, like that's something I used to, I would have, I would have used to, I would have been like, oh, oh my God, what am yeah. I going to do? How do I fix this? And now it's just like, nah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Nah. <laughs> nah. And I like, I like the tool belt thing. I think that's a key to growing up is man, be expanding your tools because yeah, one, the tool you used last year might not work for the new situation, mm -hmm. but you want to have a lot of options yes. for how to, when you're ready to either build, create, or get through something, when you're ready to actually take those action steps, you want a lot of options of how to do it. Um, because there's also a period where it's like, I don't want to go right to solutions always. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go right into action always. Mm -hmm. There is an element of like just needing to let my the new reality yeah. wash over me and yep. all the feelings and just go through that weird time. But then when I'm ready to take action, I do have a decent mm -hmm. toolbox that I've acquired over the years mm -hmm. that I'm grateful for. Acting's been a, I mean, an emotional resilience and opening, you know, uh, like teacher that has bled into my personal life, you know? For sure. I'm just grateful that we have creative outlets for these things because oh. I don't know how no. I would get through certain things no. if I didn't have a place to put it. No, I, I wouldn't be well. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't either. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't You're know barely well now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You got any fun plans for the summer or are you uh, hanging out? Um, well, usually I go on some kind of trip or I'm on location mm -hmm. and uh, this will be the first summer in, I don't know, maybe 
12, 13 years where I don't go anywhere. I am going to visit my sister cool. uh, in Seattle. I want to take a train up to go see her. Cool. Um, but beyond beyond that, I'm, I'm going to finish projects here. I'm going to keep building in my creative studio, um, finishing up on Good Trouble uh, this week, yeah, actually. Good and, Trouble, Freeform. Yes. Free, Hulu. Hulu, Freeform. Yes. Show, Good Trouble. My eye is on it. <laughs> Watch her. Also, uh, Bible... Brazilian show. What's it called? <laughs> Hayes. Hayes? Yeah, it's like R-E-I-S. I know. I don't know if you guys knew this at home, but an R in Brazil is pronounced ha. Huh, so it's not it's even Rio. If it's at the Rio, beginning of a word. If it's at the beginning of a word. So it's not even Rio de Janeiro. It's Hugh de Janeiro. It's Hugh. Hugh. <laughs> Dude, I'm so bummed I wasn't able to make it. I was going to go visit my auto in Brazil. I mean, I, I shouldn't say I'm super bummed because my niece was born. Mm -hmm. So instead That's I went to Australia experience. to see yeah. my beautiful niece, Luna, which is what prevented me from going to Brazil. But every time Mayana posted a story or a post from Brazil, it was just her and like 10 beautiful women. <laughs> and I was like, I have to go to there. <laughs> We would like send Devin like videos of like me and like all of my actress girlfriends. Just to torture just me? Just to torture him. It was so fun. I'm sure it was. It was a blast. I knew I would get the videos and I would be like, oh, Ugh. she's loving that this is hurting me. <laughs> but it's fun hurt. Even I was laughing. Hurt. I it's was like, hurt. oh, I gotta go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll make it down there at some point. Absolutely. I'll be back every year. Ned's was huge in Brazil. I got to get down there. Oh, yeah. You have so many Brazilian <sighs> fans. Yeah. Yeah, come Hugh. on. Hugh. Hugh de Janeiro. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm embarrassed for you. How do I Just say uh, thanks? Th how do I say hello to my Brazilian fans? Uh, you can say oi. Oi. You can start with that. Oi. oi. Pros meus fans. I'm out already. <laughs> say, say obrigado. Pros Obrigado. Obrigado is thank, is thank you? you. Obrigado. And say, te amo. Te amo? Te amo. Te amo. Te amo. Te amo. It's like, te, te amo, ah, but te, te amo. amo. Yes, you can it's say, like, I love you. It's like, I love you. Yeah. Obrigado. Te amo. <laughs> it's kind of Italian, but like, it, it'll Fuck. work. <laughs> well, I'm kind of Italian, so. <laughs> All right. Well, I love you. We can talk for five hours, and we will. Yep. Uh, but off the podcast. Yes. Um, I like to leave our listeners and audience members with uh, a little tip. Um, so uh, do you have a tip for uh, succeeding in growing up? Yes. How does one succeed in growing up? I mean, that's a that's an interesting question because success is going to be different for everyone I know. in terms of that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, a tip I would say is, uh, they always say like, don't let people tell you what to do. Um, but I was thinking about it and I was like, people will always tell you what to do. Uh, and it's your choice to listen to them or trust in your own path. So ultimately, like, trust your own intuition. Like, imagine you're in a library and um, it's full of, let's say, self-help books or something. Uh Take each one, read some passages out of it, and see what works for you. Like, don't look at someone's life and be like, I have to do everything exactly the same as that person. Do what works for you. And you're going you're gonna to mess up. But then you're going to get back up, and you're going to keep going. I love it. I love it. Yeah. What's keep your tip for growing up? Get some of your growing up merch? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buy, buy growing up merch. Um, that's how you succeed. <laughs> that's how you succeed. That's how you succeed in your growing up journey is buying my growing up merch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I usually leave it to the guests, but, but uh, um, I'll leave a little tip on friendship since you're here, which is you can't shortcut a close friendship. Um, you can feel almost instantly if you if you like the vibe or not, if you're paying attention, if you're not if you're not being just so optimistic or blind, like or if you're just not so grateful just to have anyone talk to you that you're like, oh, this person will do. No, no, no. You'll feel a vibe right off the bat if it feels good with someone. And that's great. That's a great seed for a friendship. Um, but you can't shortcut a close friendship. You can't shortcut getting to know someone and you can't shortcut trust. So. If you um, find a new friendship in your life, someone you're excited to meet, just over time, continue to hang out. It's okay if months go by and you don't fucking talk. You don't need, as adults, man, I see you fucking once every six months sometimes, but you're one of my closest people in my life. It's like, you can't shortcut that type of closeness. So uh, if you find people that you like, keep checking in with them over time. Uh, watch each other and support each other through different phases of life. And you'll know after maybe a few years if that person is someone you want to decide to hold on to for life. Um, I think just watch out for trying to rush a friendship. I think a lot of people do it. Where friendships, it's like, relationships, business yes, partnerships. Where it's like, I just met this person. I'm giving them all of my trust and all of my love and we're going to be best friends forever. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not how nature works. It's just not how it works. You won't know just because you hung out with them and had fun one summer that they're lifelong friends. You got to see each other through the seasons of life and then you'll really know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm grateful to have friends like you in my life, Mayata. Oh, shucks. No. Thanks, Del. Uh, go follow Mayata on all the things at Mayata Walsh. It's not Mariah. It's not Mayara. It's not Miata. It's not Mayaria. It's not Mayaria because that's gross. Um, <laughs> it's Mayata for the Portuguese speakers. Um, uh, M-A-I-R-A. Wow, Walsh. you spelled that wrong. M A I A R A. There Damn. we go. Sorry, it's just I didn't I didn't <laughs> yeah, yeah, write yeah. it. No, no, no. It's M A I A. We've only known each other like fifteen. Shut years. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> um, go follow my out on all the things. Uh, what, what's what's coming out in your life? Good troubles out. Good trouble will be and more more episodes will be coming out of that and new music will be launched. Uh, made some music with a Brazilian producer. Super stoked on that. Dope. And uh, stuff at the creative studio. Dreamco. Dope. Yeah, Dreamco's incredible. I love your place. Can't wait to come back. Um, Brazilian Netflix show is out now. Haiz? It's not Netflix. Oh. It's just called Haiz. It's on. Oh. It's, called, it's called Record TV, but it's Hecord because it's got that H. All right. Listen, you guys, you guys heard <laughs> just, it. Um, just, yeah. That's out. And then uh, congrats on your feature almost being done. We'll find out when that's Thank you. going somewhere. Yes, yes. absolutely. Okay. Uh, love, love you. you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, bye. <laughs> bye. Thanks for listening to that episode of Growing Up with Devin. You can get your Growing Up merch at growingupstore.com. Use code YAYMERCH for 10% off. That's growingupstore.com. Growing Up with Devin is produced by Onomi. Onomi is a creator-led media company that produces many educational shows and podcasts that help make adulthood suck less. Check out our new YouTube series, Are You Kidding Me?, hosted by Sydney Raz. 
the guy who teaches you things he wished he knew before his 30s, is now taking you behind the scenes of different careers and industries to show you how to get some of the most unique and exciting jobs. Check out onami.co for more.